You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. It's Dan. And Del Torrey. Same corner, same time, fellas. Fresh off a of win. How y'all feeling? Man, never felt better. Uh, it's, it's a good day to be a Gator. Uh, I had a great weekend. Uh, shout out to my dad. Uh, he retired on Friday, so he's probably watching now. Uh, so shout out to him. Uh, but it's a great weekend. Great weekend. Big ups. Big congratulations on retiring. I feel like Heck I'm yeah. a long way from that. Same, same. Um, but uh, how's everybody's weekend? Good? Yeah, solid. Can't complain. You know, for the most part, we got the Gator win. My son got a win on his Pop Warner team. We got the most egregious L, and I think, in college football history out of Miami. So that, that made me sleep a little better at night. So solid weekend. Bro. The Jags won. Yeah, yeah, you see us running down on things a little bit. Dolphins looked fantastic. Uh, baseball, ball ball started yesterday, so I was out there nice. Sunday night. Busy. Yeah, a lot going on. Uh, it's that time of the year uh, where where sports are just all the time. I think we have consecutive days of football uh, every day until like November 22nd or something. So enjoy uh, this time. Uh, but it's good to be back, Nick. Glad to have you back on a Monday morning show. Uh, I know uh, jet flying back and traveling back and all that was kicking your butt last weekend. So uh, we appreciate uh, everybody that has tuned in and is watching. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like button on the bottom of your screen uh, and uh, drop us a note in the comments. Obviously, Super Chat, we will answer those questions as quickly as possible. But I uh, want to give a shout out to our friend Santiago Garcia, who is joining us from Quito, Ecuador. Uh, so we appreciate you watching, my friend, and everybody else that is in here. We are going to be uh, talking, about, obviously, about the Vanderbilt game. And then we're going to bring on Chris from the Spurs Up show to talk a little bit about South Carolina, where the Gators will travel and play at 3.30 on Saturday. Uh, but before we get into the game, as always, we want to give a shout out to our friends over at the Gatorverse. Go visit thegatorverse.io to help support NIL for University of Florida athletes. Right now, we are giving away five free signed Trevor ETN collectibles and digital collectibles. Uh, last week, we posted on Twitter to like and Instagram to like, comment, uh, and retweet that to give away two this week. So I want to announce those winners. We just did that using Twitter, our commentpicker.com. So shout out to Fern Park Gator and Cosgriff Empire. We'll reach out to you how to collect that. Uh, but congratulations to you guys. But again, Gatorverse.io. Go support NIL at the University of Florida. All right, gentlemen, Gators win 38 to 14 uh, in a game that outside of a of a weird offensive face mask penalty and in a maybe a subpar return effort from Jason Marshall. Uh, offense looked good. Defense looked good. Give us your thoughts on the game. Silk, we'll start with you. 
Uh, we did what we were supposed to do. Came in, um, like Montreal Johnson bouncing back. Mm-hmm. He's been getting a lot of criticism this year. Uh, had a, a very good game. Uh, was more decisive with his running. Uh, hit a couple cutback lanes. I like the way he ran the ball. Uh, just you know, seemed more aggressive. So mm-hmm. you know, we did what we were supposed to do. Run game was hitting. Uh, my man Graham Merce got to hit some more of these deep balls, but he was efficient as as usual. But we're mm-hmm. leaving a lot on the field. I know a lot of fans are complaining about lack of explosive plays. Um, there's some there. We're just missing them, and we're missing them long. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's you know him trying to be extra cautious with his turnovers, um, which he has been pretty good. Both of his interceptions came off of receivers' hands. So I just think we have an opportunity to throw some more 50-50 balls and give our, our receivers a chance to you know come down with those passes. Uh, but overall, love what I see. Uh, just you know, as a bounce back game, the offense seemed a little different this week. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different rumors out there about who called the plays. If if something changed, I know we're looking forward to that in the future. But the play the play calling did look a little. I'm not saying we were like you know the the, the Patriots with Tom Brady or nothing crazy, but there was definitely a little bit more imagination to the offense. Um, the jet sweeps got back into action. Shout out to my man. Uh, Trey Wilson back healthy. He's just super explosive. We need to get the ball to him more, but he also needs to stay healthy. Uh, so I, I don't have a lot of complaints. Do want to see more Andy Gene in the receiving game? Uh, get some of the young boys more involved. All this Bordenham, yeah, who the streets say I've been hyping too much, like <laughs> Silk Vibe. Uh, you got to understand this kid was a receiver before, so he hadn't played tight end. It's going to be some adjustment, but as you can see, he's a matchup problem. He's too big for a defensive back to cover, and linebackers going to have trouble trying to, you know, uh, cover him in coverage as well. So he's a good matchup problem. I think he had a breakout game uh, versus Vandy. Went for like a hundo, couple touchdowns. Yeah. And he's a big ass kid that's hard to bring down. He can move a little bit. Very good game for him. Uh, defensively, we just got to find a pass rush. It's just not getting home as fast as I, I would like. Um, not mad at the blitz, not mad at the schemes. It's just we're missing a true edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Justice Boom didn't seem like a huge uh, injury at the time, but the more the season goes on, we're not getting to the quarterback like I would hope. We're affecting the passer, but we're not getting the sack rate or the turnovers like I would like I would want from this defense. Um, that's my only complaint from the defensive side of the ball. Like you said, Marshall was mm-hmm. – he got his helmet, face mask. I still need some more energy after right. that. Bro. You got to go be chasing that yeah. guy down, man. That's That's my take. Um, but I can't give him a hundred percent fault in that play. Sure. Jakeem Jackson bounced back. You know, he gave up a big play, but he bounced back real solid on the goal line. Mm-hmm. Just youth movement is super impressive, man. I like Kelby Collins, Steercy, all those guys, minutes are very productive. It's good to see the young boys productive when they get in so we can see the future a little bit. So while we're struggling a little bit this year, you know, we're trying to get to that bowl win eligibility, seven, eight win range. It's just it just feels good to see the future shining. You know, our best players, our most explosive players on offense is, is the young boys mm-hmm. and on defense, man. So that's encouraging. Nick, any point, yeah, to your point, only nine sacks, a negative turnover uh margin. I think the problem with this game is if you were an angry fan, what could Florida have done to make you happy and be like, okay, they fixed it? Like you still have to go on the road, look competent, win a road game. Um, I don't know what the streets were saying about play calling, uh, but I don't, I don't think they switched anything up. I think that was still Billy. Um, I think Eugene Wilson gives you an entirely different offense. Mm-hmm. 
that's crazy to say about a freshman. Um, but yeah, I think so. And to me, like you did what you were supposed to do, mm-hmm. beat Vandy the way you were supposed to beat them. But I, I'm going to learn a lot about Florida this week on the road. Right. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about it. You know, Florida sits four and two right now, which I think most fans would be pretty happy about uh, before the season. Uh, but you've got six more games where I think you've got maybe four toss ups and, you know, probably maybe five toss ups and then Georgia. Um, you know, Florida State's obviously looking okay. Um, they're still the number three or four team in the country right now, but the rest of the games you have. Yeah, Missouri, Arkansas, uh, South Carolina, and who else am I missing? Anyway, there's a fourth game in there um, that I'm missing. So, you know, Florida right now has a bunch of toss-up games. A few of them are away. Uh, LSU, right? So LSU's offense looks great. Defense looks very suspect. Uh, So those are the the four kind of toss-up games that you have right now. And Florida's got to win at least two of those those toss-up games. Um, so, but, but like you said, Nick, you know, what are you looking for? I mean, I think that the Florida fan right now, especially with some of the injuries that were coming out, uh, right before this game, you're obviously missing, you know, some of your offensive linemen, you're missing Trevor ETN. Uh, I think what you wanted to see is competence out of the, out of the offense. And you saw that, uh, Arlo Sportingham had a great game. Uh, Trey Wilson, you know, does look good, like Silk said, but, but you wanted to beat, Vanderbilt the way you should beat them and Vanderbilt's obviously not a great team uh they aren't even a good team they are a a bad to to sub mediocre team however we've seen Florida struggle to put points you know again Charlotte Florida was held to the five field goal so at least you got in the end zone so you have to win the games and you have to inspire that confidence in your team and I think that there's a little bit more of that and so we'll get into the defensive side here when we break down both sides and there's still question marks that you have about defense forcing turnovers or getting to the quarterback. But for the most part, I thought that the the defense did, did well uh, in this game um, for all intents and purposes. So um, yeah, go ahead. This week, the two worst scoring offenses in the sec Florida is at 13, 27.2 and South Carolina, 27 points a game. Yeah. Good. Well, we're going to talk to Chris a little bit about figuring out what's going on with South Carolina. They do have some playmakers uh, on their team, and obviously it's a road game, which has been the Achilles heel uh, of the last few years uh, at Florida. So uh, let's talk a little bit about offense uh, in this game. Uh, Graham Mertz goes 30 for 36, 254 yards, 7.1 yard average, three touchdowns. Uh, in that game, uh, the only other note from passing, uh, Max Brown goes four for four for 26 yards. Uh, and then Khalil Jackson throws an interception. Thought they got a little too cute uh, on that play. Uh, what I want to see out of, of Florida is to continue to build on momentum. Uh, and, and they seem to kind of shoot themselves in the foot with some of that momentum. I'm not against trying a play like that, but when you have an offense that's kind of sputtered throughout the season, would like to just see some consistency before we throw out, um, you know, a walk on wide receiver, throwing a 40 yard bomb to a, uh, to a running back. But uh, regardless, Montreux Johnson goes 18 yards for 135 or uh, 18 carries, 135 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Trayon Webb, four carries for 70 yards. 
Um, Arliss Boardingham, Silk, you mentioned seven receptions, 99 yards, two touchdowns. Eugene Wilson, eight receptions, 64 yards uh, with a touchdown. And Ricky Pierce, all four catches for 34 yards are your leaders there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the offense. Silk, um, rushing attack, we finally saw Montreal Johnson uh, lower his head. Uh, find some lanes, but ultimately kind of power through some of these uh, some of these rushes. What were your thoughts on on the rushing attack uh, on uh, Saturday? It seemed like I mean we're playing Vandy, and I'm gonna keep that into you know just mm-hmm. consideration. Uh, we're not saying that we're, we're back on track, but you, you just things we can work on. We had a couple of linemen out uh, seeing the line. I think it's one of our best games as far as blocking, including the Charlotte game. So if we're mm-hmm. talking about competition, we didn't block well versus Charlotte. Uh, we definitely block better versus Vanderbilt. I like Cam Waits in, in yeah. on the offensive line. Hopefully, shout out to him, man. Like, what a recovery! That's wild. It's wild that he's back, man, and he looked good. Um, mm-hmm. so I think I thought we blocked better. Um, though I do want to see Twenty get more touches. I know we want to see a lot of people get more touches. It's only one football, but Trayon Webb looked very good, explosive out of his stands. He, he's running like he got a lot of bills to pay. Uh, just super, super impressed with the way he ran the ball. Montreal ran the ball. Like both of those guys, uh, need to get seven back healthy, and we can speak mm-hmm. on that as well because you know there's a lot of rumors and criticism about the usage of Trevor Etienne, but you know he was a scratch for this game. Um, showed up on the injury report, and then you know they, he was a no go. So for all the we need to get Etienne the ball more. Clearly, there's been some health concerns there, and you know some load management, like we said on this show before. Mm-hmm. People didn't want to believe the load management and, and the keeping AR from running too many plays last year as far as rushing. They, they thought that was a made-up thing. And then, you know, this played out with Trevor Etienne. We need him for SEC play uh, in the worst way, not versus the Vanderbilt of the world. But mm-hmm. we're about to run into the gauntlet of our schedule. We're definitely going to have to lean on him. Uh, I think our offense goes through him. So, um, overall, the run game, it was definitely good. Love to see Montreal back into the, you know, getting some – Get some rust off of him. I just thought he had more room to get going this week. Uh, as far as like contact, a lot of our run, our running, our running plays, we're getting smacked soon when we get the ball. But Etn mm-hmm. has more of a knack of making players miss than Montreal was. Montreal needs a little bit of room to get going, and he probably has the slowest first step out of his stance of the three guys that's in the backfield. Trey Young mm-hmm. Wells' first step is super explosive. I love his action coming out of the backfield. So, um, I'm, Montreal I'm was like- run game. Montreal was finishing. Like he was hitting yeah. defensive players before they could hit him. That looks good. Treyon only had four carries, I think, but like 70 mm-hmm. yards. Yeah. Uh, I think you need ETM back this week at South Carolina. Uh, and then you get a bye week after that. So get healthy. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, let's look at at some of these numbers. Treyon Webb, uh, 4.25 yards after contact. Uh, Montreal Johnson, 4.67 yards after contact. That that amounts to 17 yards and 84 yards, respectively, for the two of them. Tran Webb goes long for 43 on one run. Uh, Montreal's long was 34. Um, so, you know, ultimately, you know, rushing attack does look good. Um, it, it, it is interesting. Um if Tran Webb and Montreal Johnson were in the game, they were likely going to get the ball handed to them. Uh, Tran Webb had five snaps, uh, four running attempts. Uh, Montreal Johnson had 19 snaps and 18 attempts uh, on the game itself. Um, 
So uh, again, you know, Tran Webb, I, I think Silk, you, you made a good point. I think he, he does look a little bit more explosive out of the backfield than maybe we had anticipated out of him. I'm sure a lot of that is coming from a uh, a confidence perspective, learning the system a little bit more. He is just a true freshman. That's a lot of weight to put on a true freshman's shoulders. You know, Florida thought, you know, that they might have two running backs in that that class. And obviously you also brought in Cam Carroll, who's out, and then Trey R and then Travis Etienne, who's also uh, out of this game. So so shout out to Tran Webb. And uh, I think that that he had a, a great good first coming out party for him. I know he's had a couple touchdowns on the season, but uh he looked solid running the ball. Um, you know, Matra Johnson did what he should do against Vanderbilt, and maybe that's a confidence booster for him, uh, because Florida's gonna definitely need that two-headed running attack. Uh, and maybe you add a third with with Trayon Webb. Um now anything else from a, a rushing perspective? I want to I do want to get into blocking uh from the offensive line because Silky mentioned Cam Waits. Uh, you know, the Gators got a lot of different um, you know, players that that don't normally get a ton of snap counts uh into this game. Um, but what were your guys' thoughts on the the offensive line? I know you mentioned Cam Waits, uh Silk and, and Nick, but but any additional thoughts on the offensive line? Well, Graham, it was interesting. So Graham got hit, knocked out of the knocked out of the game for the first time. But after the game, Billy and Graham both said, like, I'm holding on to the ball too long. So a lot of times we don't know what's going on exactly between the lines, but maybe he is holding on to uh, holding on to it too long. I, I think Jake Slaughter to me is entering like as good as Kingsley territory, even if Kingsley can come back and be healthy. I thought he's played well. Um, seeing Cam Waits back tore his Achilles had surgery in January to be back and playing football in October is crazy. Um, but yeah, I think the line overall, Good, yeah. I thought I thought Micah had a had a good game. Uh, I thought Cam Waits did. Nigel Harris got a lot of playing time uh, in this game as well. Lindell Hudson plays the most snaps of, of a game this season. Uh, Damian George, Richard, uh, Damian George, Richie Leonard, uh, Jake Slaughter um, filled out that that group. But you know, from from all intents and purposes, from a pass blocking perspective, Gators ranked really high. From a rush blocking perspe- perspective, Richie Leonard and Micah Mazuka uh, were your standouts there. Uh, but but I thought the offensive line played played well. Uh, they only allowed two hurries. I guess uh, I know I know Graham Mertz got got hit one time uh, out of the pocket, but um, but yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, pretty solid performance by the offensive line. Yeah, Merck's got to get rid of the ball more. And some of the procedural stuff, like, we probably block better than we normally did, but it's still a lot of, you know, just false starts that we got to clean up that will cost us definitely. If you're at home, the false start should be down. You shouldn't make as many mistakes. Going on the road, it's going to be a little bit more hectic. So I did want to see less uh, procedural pen, uh, procedure penalties, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. Um, a couple of freshmen played on the offensive line as well. I like those yep. reps, uh, seeing those guys get some action. But I want to see Cam Waits, like, start somehow i don't know if what do you think about um my man that came from bama playing guard damian george damian george so he it's interesting he played a lot of left tackle mm-hmm. uh or left side of the ball this game uh obviously due to some injuries but i thought he looked they looked better in this game than you know again consider the opponent but i thought he looked better in this game than he had previously throughout the season i wouldn't mind pushing him inside i think he got there in the spring, I think he was repping at guard. Him and Keontae Goodwin were kind of like going back. So maybe. Mm-hmm. But also, is is Cam Waits ready to start and play 
65, 70 snaps. Right. Well, we, yeah, we, we don't know, right? Uh, Cam Waits never really played. I don't think he played at all at Louisiana. I think he redshirted that year, obviously didn't play last year, uh, gets injured. Uh, but in this game, Cam Waits had 59 snaps. So, you know, is it can it be consistent against a better team? You know, that's, right. that's something to, to look at. But, you know, from a from a grading perspective, he graded out one of the higher offensive linemen. I think he was the number two pass blocking offensive lineman. So what you've seen may give you a little bit, you know, hope, optimism. That's what I need from my offensive line. Hope, man. Um, so, and then let's, uh, let's get into the, re- the, uh, receivers, uh, in this game, uh, again, Arlos Boardingham, um, six targets, six receptions, uh, 99 yards, uh, in the game, two touchdowns, uh, his coming out party. Uh, I think that there was a target that, that they didn't, um, they didn't log here early on in the game that I think that he, he missed or dropped. But other than that, uh, he was fighting through, uh, in the red zone, in the open field, he was fighting through uh, through tacklers, and and I thought that this was you know by far his best game, and and hopefully what we can expect to see out of him. Maybe it's not a hundred yards every game, uh, but certainly uh, a stellar performance from Marlos Boringham. He's just he just has the athleticism that the tight end room doesn't offer. Nobody else in that room they they really love like that swing pass to him, a little check down to him. Um, and then he's a guy who can make guys miss. So definitely a breakout game. It was interesting listening to Billy after like reminding us, Hey, this kid played was a, a track runner, played receiver, played linebacker. It was a whole new position. Then he got hurt. Um, so it, it's been a process, but undeniably the best pass catching tight end in that room. Yeah. So the blocking is a lot to be desired, but I expect that to pick up. You can't just jump in the SEC and learn how to block in these trenches like that um, just so fast. But he's a big kid. He'll toughen up, and we'll we'll get that blocking and technique and all that stuff in order. But overall, you got to play him. You know, we the offense is lacking playmakers, mm-hmm. and he, he's a guy that could just flat out make plays. So, you know, deal with whatever lumps that come with playing an inexperienced tight end. But the upside is through the roof. So you got to take that risk, man. Get hit Trey on Webb. Get him more touches. You know, I know the running back game, the running game is 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 is, is what it is. We got three capable guys. That's more on the offensive line getting them space. But you know, get Trey Wilson the ball, get board uh him the ball, the playmakers. Find a way right. to get the ball into their hands. Even on like that check down where it's like I was sending a bunch of people deep, and then Trey Wilson is kind of like the outlet pass. Him catching that is way more explosive than any other receiver catching that right. same exact pass. That's damn near first down every time you get that joint. Yeah, no, I, I was very, very happy to see Eugene Wilson, um, not just in in his speed, but his uh, ability and willingness to to break through tacklers and, and try to get that first down. I thought that he did uh, a fantastic game. You know, Eugene Wilson, ninety yards after catch, uh, that's incredible. Uh, Arliss Borningham, sixty-one yards uh, after catch. Nobody else on the team uh, really amounted to much in terms of uh, yak. So, uh, so shout out to to the two of them. Did a uh, did a great job there. I uh, saw a little Marcus Burke in this game. Uh, Andy Jean Silk, you mentioned he just had the one catch for two yards. Uh, Cleo Jackson gets twenty-four yards. Montreal Johnson twenty-five. 
uh, Graham Mertz gets 11. Um, so shout out to him. But uh, but for all intents and purposes, a, a game that was very much heavily uh, relying on Arlis Portingham and Eugene Wilson uh, as receiving threats in, in both guys you know, a couple games ago, we're, we're not at all in the game, right? Obviously, Eugene Wilson was hurt, but we're starting to see a little bit more out of Arliss. And especially with this offense, as a, an offense that doesn't look to push the ball downfield a ton, being able to get the guy the ball eight, nine, 10 yards on the field. But if they're going and creating another, you know, 10, 12 yards after that, um, then that's maybe how this offense is going to look for the rest of the season. But now you have those additional threats uh, there. So again, offense puts up 38 points. Kind of what you want to see. Uh, five touchdowns. Uh, Trey Smack gets the field goal. Uh, I think this is the first game all season where we also didn't have a special teams blunder of any sort. Um, but uh, so congratulations to them. Uh, and then let's get to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, anybody on defense, you know, give give me your your high level overview. Nick, we'll start with you. Um, defense. Uh- my St. Thomas guys, sack, sack, yep. Wingo and, uh, and Sap. Uh, I think Searcy played well. Yep. Uh, Jaden Hill played well. I really liked Jakeem as a young player getting beat like that, and then they go right back at you. One, didn't give up on the play, made a touchdown-saving tackle. Then they go after him in the end zone. Might have gotten away with a little P.I. on the first one, but no flag thrown. Um, love to see that maturity moving on from one uh, from a bad play and, and then making a play uh, and shout out to Max Brown before I get uh, away from the offense, baseball player, football player earns his letter uh, on Saturday. But I think the defense outside of those two big plays, the 85 yard touchdown mm-hmm. and the 53 yard reception held Vandy to 3.1 yards per play looked good. Um, again, like, the opponent though. Like I, I don't know right. what Vandy was going to do. Yeah. You called a, a potential missed pass interference on Jakeem Jackson. And I will say that we get, we deserve that one because I think I counted five or six times that their left tackle uh, was doing some sort of holding, maybe even some tackling. Uh, there was a, it was a, a, a poorly refed football game. Uh, obviously Florida dominated that game, but just a, a terrible, Probably a tier four SEC crew for that one. Uh, but just a terrible, terrible job in watching uh, holdings there. Um, let's see. Uh, Tyreek Sapp, uh, Derek Wingo, like you mentioned, uh, Nick get the uh, get the sacks. Uh, Princely gets two hur- or gets two hits on the quarterback. Gets four hurries. Uh, Kelby Collins got three hurries. Caleb Banks got one. Taraja Mitchell got one. Um, but you know, offense, our defensive line just doesn't create the, uh, the, the, the pressures that, that probably we expected against Vanderbilt. Um, South Carolina's offensive line is a bit suspect uh, for next week, but obviously want to see uh, a little bit more out of them. Uh, Jaden Hill, I thought, had a great game. I thought Jalen Kimber played well, uh, but I think TJ Searcy, for the amount that he played, was, was my defensive MVP for, uh, for that game. So, what are your thoughts on the defense? A lot of the same, y'all. Y'all yeah. picked up most most of what I my takes, man. But a shout to Jaden Hill. He's playing definitely improved football at the star mm-hmm. position. Um, that, that position has been horrendous since Chauncey Gardner has left, and he's doing a heck of a job holding that spot down this year. Uh, he hasn't played perfect. He's given up some plays, but you know, just talking overall play, I like the way he's played the position this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just. 
I don't know, bro. I don't know if it's got we gotta go. The young boys seem to generate more pressure with the pass rush, man. I would like to see them more this week, you know, um for us to be able to I know South Carolina has a bad offensive line. We're on the road. We need big type big plays. Right. Uh, we'll get into the, the South Carolina match in a little mm -hmm. bit, but Overall, that's what we're missing from the defense, just a lack of uh, explosive off the edge to, to mm -hmm. be able to, you know, get the quarterback off their lunch point. Um, we like to press the pocket a little bit more as well. The run defense has been solid. Uh, can't complain overall. The improvement mm -hmm. is, is definitely impressive. Austin Armstrong had the crazy Kentucky game where, you know, um, Ray, Ray went stupid on us two years in a row. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, he's shown an improved third down defense. I believe we're like top 15 in the country when it comes to that, and we were one of the worst. So it's been showing a lot of improvement, but I wanted to see him, if we can't get there with the front four, generate pressure some type of way, you know, send mm -hmm. some pressure. We got to affect the quarterback. We got to get him on the ground, uh, help our offense a little bit more, sacks create better, you know, field position and all of that stuff, man. So I just want us to, to generate pressure a little bit more in a more creative way if we can't get there with our front four. Right. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see if there's anybody else in the defense that I think that we need to uh, to shout out. Uh, R.J. Moten had one and a half tackles for loss. Bryce Thornton, Cam Jackson, Bryce Jane Thornton. Hill. Yeah, Thornton, get, Thornton getting the start as well. I was just going yep. through this list. Like it's just young. Like Shamar is a sophomore, but then Jordan Castell starting. You started two freshman safeties. Um, like. I think Florida gets everyone back. So you guys are – Sharif Denson played, Kelby Collins. These guys are getting experience now. And we talk about, like, that 2024 schedule being crazy. Um, but I think this team is going to be experienced and and ready to go. Like, And I think – do you think we're, we're done with Miguel Mitchell? Do you think it's Bryce Thornton from here on out? I hope so, in the words of Kodak. I hope so. Yeah, I hope um, so. I think I think you go with the young boys. I like the action of, of both of those guys playing well. Bryce Thornton brings that hat. You know, even mm -hmm. if guys catch the ball down the field, he brings some violence to the to the secondary. So, I do want to see Bryce Thornton, Jordan Castell live with those lumps, whatever mistakes come with it, and let it roll. I um, would like to see more Jakeem Jackson. I like his mental makeup. You know, give up a big play. You know, the 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 the, the real core of a, a good db is being able to forget shit quick man mm -hmm. and he, he he stood up in the fire and, and held his own so i want to see him play more as well i know marshall you know got nfl aspirations but i want to see the best player play you know outside i know marshall got his helmet turned but i just gotta see better energy and more fight he's a very yeah. chill laid back calm guy but i do want to see uh young defensive backs play more one mind seeing some more dijon uh, in that secondary as well. Mm -hmm. We need more interceptions. Like, we need right. some ball-hawking plays. I'm not cool with just being good enough. And mm -hmm. I think, like, Marshall's out there, but I think he's he's playing somewhat safe. I don't know. He's not impacting the game enough. Shout out to my guy, Click. Like, he said that on the space yesterday. He just, mm -hmm. He's just not impacting the game enough to be, you know, CB1. Mm -hmm. So I, I want that type of energy of – I'm not just out here trying to keep a receiver from making a catch, but I'm trying to get my team the ball back. I'm trying to be – you know, mm -hmm. on ESPN tomorrow morning for making impactful plays. And I just don't see a lot of that. I think he's right. somewhat just coasting on to the NFL here a little bit. And he got I think he needs to tighten up. Well, his coasting to the NFL has him coasting down a lot of the mock drafts. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people had him as a potential first-round guy. Uh, the last time that I saw it was a 
fourth or fifth round guy, uh, and that was before this game. Uh, Selk, I think you mentioned, and then Sean put it in uh, the comments here, Florida's ranked 127th in the country in turnovers gained. Uh, two total in six games. I think it's a little bend, don't break. Uh, I think somebody else said here, had John Wilcox, Armstrong's emphasized being sound over trying to be spectacular, got to do one before the other. Totally. Uh, I ain't mad at that take. Philosophy, but, yeah. You, you, know, you got you to make, you got to, I'm not saying make, like, not do your assignment. It's just a difference, man. If you play the game, like John, I'm pretty sure John has been competitive. You you have guys that are just I tell my son that even when he's playing, don't be out there just to just, you know, do my assignment and just nah, you gotta like have the mindset of I, I gotta get my team the ball back, you know, like I wanna make big plays, create turnovers, shut my guy down, not mm-hmm. just, you know, be I'm not seeing it, man, from a CB one type perspective. Right. I just don't see a killer mindset, a killer like even the pick six that he had that he dropped. It's like, yeah, that ain't we anything spectacular, one. right there, bro. Like, make a big play. We needed that play, and I'm just not seeing it from him. And we need turnovers in the worst way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's. I think that that's the one thing that's probably been outside of uh, the Kentucky game. Uh, with Ray Davis, that's probably been the the most surprising with how well the defense statistically is. Uh, is is their inability to force turnovers and to get to the quarterback the way that we thought that they would. With that in mind, Florida doesn't have a great sack percentage. They obviously don't have a lot of turnovers, and Florida still sits in in an elite spot from a defense, especially when you compare to where they were last year. So still a lot of opportunity to improve, but at least they are making some sound fundamental uh, changes on that team that that are limiting some of the big plays uh, and, and definitely keeping defenses – are definitely keeping the opposing offense from, from truly moving the ball uh, downfield. So, you know, is what it is. You know, the, this is an opportunity where we say, hey, Austin Armstrong's done an unbelievable job from last year to this year. And now it's an opportunity that if you want to go from good to elite, you know, you start to work on these these things like turnovers and sacks. But uh, I think Redox Health, health Revolution, uh, remember Third and Grantham, now Gator fans in quotation marks are crying about the lack of picks. Unbelievable. Uh, I don't think we're crying necessarily. I think we're just saying where there's an opportunity for in improvement so uh any final critical we can't be sunshine pumpers man we got to criticize like you know where we at as a team we can't just ignore turnovers is a big part of football and if we don't we're not getting turnovers we got to talk about the lack of turnovers that's just how this this job works right (laughs) you know yeah can't can't say everything's all peaches and uh rainbows and butterflies right we would we would be done in in four minutes so uh with that being said uh let's get into a quick uh ad read and then we will uh, talk briefly before chris welcomes us from the spurs up podcast uh want to give a quick shout out to fango tickets had the opportunity to hang out with jeff on saturday watching the game so uh, go check out fangotickets.com uh, think of it as a place where you can go if you have season tickets to the Lightning, Tampa Bay Lightning, Tampa Bay Bucks, Florida Gators, where you can go and list uh, all of your season tickets. You can choose which games you want to list and which games you want to black out, uh, similar to like an Airbnb type situation. Uh, they're all on there. You can go. Uh, they are free to go on and purchase. The uh, The only fees go to the sellers. But if you are uh, one of the first 100 people to sign up, there will be no fees 
forever. So go check out Fango Tickets. Go support a Gator alumni building a business here. So again, FangoTickets.com. All right, gentlemen, the Gators play South Carolina. South Carolina is two and three uh, on the season. The game is at 3.30 in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, they have wins against Furman and Mississippi State, uh, and they have losses to North Carolina, 31-17, to Georgia, 24-14, to and Tennessee, 41-20. to um, Any high-level thoughts before we get into uh, to Chris Gators? Obviously dominated this game last year. Uh, Silk, what are you looking for out of the, uh, the Gators this week? Shit, a lot. We're on the road. Uh, this is that's mo- the most important thing is how we travel. Are we fixing and getting and growing and developing past, you know, how we travel? Um, the, the road record has been horrendous. Uh, Spencer Rattler has actually been playing okay football. I know his mm-hmm. offensive line has been trash, but he, he himself has played good football. So my secondary got to come with their mind in the game, you know, ready to play. Uh, if the offensive line is bad, my defensive line meet, need to make that offensive line look as bad as it is, especially on the road. So that's what I want to see. The improved play. Uh, I want to. I want to see more explosive plays down the field, which we have tried. It's just we're not hitting them, you know. And it's hard to keep calling those deep plays because you got to control down the distance. You calling these deep mm-hmm. plays and then you miss. Now you got second and ten, or you got whatever it may be. Um, so I want to see better accuracy from from Graham Mertz and better execution with. Some of the plays that we do have open downfield. Um, hopefully, ETN should be back and healthy. I think he will be, but it's a lot to break down in the game. But that's overall, that's what I want to see. I know we'll talk a little bit more, but overall, I want to see improved play on the road and let's go get a road win, a very much needed road win. You look at our schedule, it only gets tougher towards the end. So, this is one that we need to win very badly. Um, another must win for Billy. Every, win is gonna, every week, we're going to say this, though. Must win. I got to laugh out of that. You, Graham Mertz needs to be more accurate. I looked over 79.5. I know what you meant, but like 79.5. Down the field. Yeah. I need to Look, see. F- I need to see his down the field advanced stats of like what's his accuracy past 15 yards. And then that'll give us more of the story of like I, he's efficient 15, 20 yards in. But um, the, the the criticism, you know, and all of this is just improved play. We want to see Florida mm-hmm. get better offense they got to hit deeper passes deep deep passes just aren't accurate right now right let's see so 22 of 32 from 10 to 19 medium and 9 of 16 deep not bad um i need to see florida start fast we talked Mm -hmm. about it this isn't an offense that is explosive that can like run we talked about it a lot before the tennessee game like you're not gonna run with tennessee both road losses get down early, um, just not a recipe for success. So I think Florida needs to start fast. They haven't done that twice. Also, this is going to be the biggest stadium, the loudest crowd. Uh, have you fixed procedural penalties? Have you learned how to take your show on the road uh, mm-hmm. and play competent football? I understand it's hard to play in some of these stadiums, but like, you got to figure it out, right? You're gonna you're gonna have to play in these types of stadiums multiple times a year. Uh, Selk, I think you mentioned Nick. You just did as well. Want to start fast. Want to limit those procedural penalties. I do have some concerns on the offensive line, just with how that group hasn't really gelled yet because of the injuries and everything else there. So 
how do they communicate uh, in that environment? And then, you know, I think Florida needs to take advantage of, of South Carolina's offensive line, which is a little suspect. And then certainly the biggest thing that I'm going to be looking out for them uh, is who's going to guard Xavier Leggett, uh, who's their number one wide receiver, has 606 yards. Almost half of all of Spencer Rattler's yards on the year are to Xavier Leggett. Big guy, 6'3", like 230 pounds. So want to see what, what Florida does there. So um, again, uh, it's a road game. Florida's not played well in road games uh, over the last three years, especially over the last two years under Billy Napier. So want to see what they can do in that kind of environment, because if we're going to chalk up nearly every road game to a loss and then there's something that that Florida's missing from a preparation perspective. But before we get a little bit too much into that, let's welcome uh, our friend Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show. Uh, he's been on the show. I think this is his third time. So welcome, Chris. Thanks so much for, for joining us today. Yeah, what's going on, guys? Appreciate you all having me and excited for the game this weekend. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. So uh, we were just talking a little bit about South Carolina, two and three in the season right now. They are two point favorites right now uh, against the Gators. But Chris, from a high level perspective, what can Gator fans expect out of South Carolina? Yeah, it's funny you ask that because I think Gamecock fans are wondering also what they can expect coming out of the bye week because, uh, you know, it's been a team. You look at the record, it's ugly, but you look at the three losses all coming to ranked opponents this point in the season. Obviously, the season opener. Against North Carolina, um, you go to Athens and lose to Georgia. And then, of course, that loss to Tennessee just about uh, a week and a half or so ago. So, you know, three losses you look at, and there's no shame in losing those three games. But two of the three, it's really how you lost. You know, UNC was the nine-sack game, an embarrassing performance on the offensive line. You know, defensively, you couldn't pressure Drake May. Uh, you could not stop the passing game at all. And then against Tennessee, Georgia was respectable, right? You're up 14-3 mm -hmm. at half. Georgia outscores you 21 nothing that second half, and they win the ball game. Uh, but then against Tennessee, you know, defensively, it's been really, really leaky. You know, Tennessee able to get the run game going over 230 yards in that ball game. Uh, Joe Milton hit some big plays in that one in Tennessee. Really ran away with that football game in a, a revenge type of game at Neyland Stadium. But I would say what Gator fans can expect, you know, it's a lot of Spencer Rattler. It's a lot of aerial attack. And then for South Carolina, and I think Gator fans will agree that the key is going to be, and maybe the biggest matchup of this game is the Florida rushing attack with Trevor Etienne, Montrell Johnson, that stable of backs that the, the Gators have, against Clayton White and that South Carolina rushing defense. Uh, and also South Carolina just, just defensively as a whole. You know, you look at most of the major statistics, most of the major categories, South Carolina is near the bottom. So, uh, you know, guys, again, it, it really is somewhat of a mystery because Carolina, it's been a mixed bag. And, of course, it's been a mixed bag over the first two years of Shane Beamer. It's been a mixed bag in this series, right? We all remember 2021, the Gamecocks come off a bye week similar to this scenario they went in dominating fashion. That was the Jason Brown at quarterback game and uh, the Jabari Ellis scoop and score. And that one obviously got away from Florida, the end of the Dan Mullen era. And then last year, of course, Florida got their revenge in a big way in that 38-6 to victory, which was a game that, you know, was somewhat stunning, I would say, when you factor in just what Florida was last year. And then obviously what South Carolina went on to do beating Tennessee, beating Clemson. So I, I look at this game, guys, as truly a 50-50 coin flip type of game. I know Florida, you guys were just talking about it, has been abysmal on mm -hmm. the road. South Carolina has been a different team at home. And this is a year, guys, in the SEC, I'm sure you can attest, it feels like home field advantage. It's always meant a lot, but it feels like it means even more this year just because some of these teams are such on even footing. So, you know, we'll see if that's the case again, but I, I really do look at this game as a 50-50 toss-up kind of game, and it's, a, again, a Gamecocks football team that's going to rely on the passing attack and, and rely on its offensive attack and 
just hopes it gets just enough out of its defense to squeak out a victory. What is it with the offensive line? Uh, my buddy Taylor, who you know well, uh, yeah. often bemoans the offensive line there at South <laughs> Carolina. Is it because they're young and inexperienced? Is it just this is the best five that they have on campus? What's, what's going on with the offensive line? Well, Dan, both are true. They are young and inexperienced, and I would say right now the five they're going to roll out there against Florida, that's probably the five best they have available right now because start of the season, right? And of course, we all talk transfer portal, how big of a deal that is. In college football, South Carolina lost three starters from a group a season ago that already was not great rushing the football, right? Kind of came along as the season went, but you looked at the overall numbers finished outside of the top 100 in rushing offense. So they lost guys like Jovan Gwynn, who was a second-team All-SEC guy. They lost Eric Douglas. They lost Dylan Wanham. And these guys, they weren't great pieces, but they were veteran guys who had played a lot of meaningful snaps for South Carolina. So you returned 50 less starts, Dan, than you had a season ago. Mm. And you went to the transfer portal and tried to replace those guys. And with all due respect, transfers from places like Western Illinois, Mercer, Charlotte, Yale, mm. if you will, which to all respect, the Yale transfer, Nick Gargiulo has turned out pretty well. And he's a he's, he's a starter for you at the guard position. Mm. But they had some guys out there week one, guys that simply put just aren't SEC football players. I don't know how else to say it or sugarcoat it or what have you, but it's just the truth. They just weren't SEC football players. And South Carolina has done a great job in recruiting under Shane Beamer in regards to the offensive and defensive lines of scrimmage. Shane Beamer obviously knows very well that that's what it takes to win. You've got to win in the trenches in the SEC to win at a significant level. And so they've got guys, the Gators will see like Big Tree Bubble at the tackle spot. They've got uh, Jatavia Shivers, you may see. Marquis Anderson, unfortunately, out for the season with an injury, but he's also another young guy they added. Trovon Bow is a guy the Gators will see at the guard position. There's a good chance South Carolina is going to be starting two freshmen on the offensive line mm. on Saturday, just like they were against Tennessee. And it's because, guys, while they may be youngsters, they may be true, two true freshmen, those are positions you don't necessarily want to be in starting those guys. They're two of your most talented players, and they've graded out that way, too, when they've mm -hmm. played. So, um, you know, it's a group that lacks experience, that is very young for sure. But, you know, they're rolling out their best five right now. But unfortunately, right now, the best five, it's, it's somewhat of a bleak situation. And you're just having a couple guys out there that's baptism by fire for some of those youngsters, and they're learning on the go. And you're just hoping as a Gamecock fan that say, this is the week that it clicks. So that light bulb moment happens sooner rather than later because the pieces are there offensively to be pretty productive. But you guys know if you don't have it in the trenches, it's it's not mm -hmm. going to work for you. Yeah. Is what that are you what, talking? That, sorry, go ahead, Tilt. What are you talking to uh, the lack of run game up up to? Uh, just inexperience in offensive line, same thing? Yeah, I, I would say it's a combination of inexperience in the offensive line and the running back room. You know, South Carolina, they did find something over the last couple of weeks, I'll say, with uh, Mario Anderson, the Division II transfer from Newberry College. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, maybe you look at and say he doesn't have top-end SEC talent or speed or this, that, or whatever, but – he does run with an edge. Uh, he runs with a bad attitude, which I say is a great compliment to give a running back. He's a guy that does not sure. go down at first contact and uh, someone that at least gives South Carolina the threat of a running game. But, guys, this is another position where, you know, the Gamecocks lost Marshawn Lloyd, the transfer portal, went to Southern Cal. And I don't know if you guys have seen, but he's balling out, out right now mm -hmm. for the Trojans. He's doing pretty well for them. And the Gamecocks, for, for what? Yeah, if, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's doing well. And for whatever reason, guys, the Gamecocks just were not able – to go out and get a proven power five or, you know, any type of running back that could really help them in this room. Again, they picked up Mario Anderson, all due respect, you know, mm -hmm. division two transfer. They added Dontavious Braswell, a true freshman. Uh, and outside of that, they returned Juju McDowell and then to carry on Joyner, who entered the season as RB1. He's been a guy who's played quarterback, played, you know, wide mm -hmm. receiver. They thought they'd slide him over to running back. And 
you know, it was a great story in the preseason, guys, but it's just been proven through five games that he's just he's just not a running back. It just flat out. So, Mario Anderson gives them the best threat of a running game there. Uh, had over 100 yards against Tennessee. Grand 75 of that was on one run. But um, I, I would say, man, it's a combination of the two. You, you have a bad offensive line. I mean, even a really good running back, I think, would struggle to run behind that offensive line. But also, too, like it, it's been a – running back by committee and searching for that true RB1 the first five games of the season. And the good news is the Gamecocks feel like they have that guy now in Mario Anderson. That, I mean, Just, that can also explain some of the sack numbers. <clears throat> if you're yeah. if you're making yourself one-dimensional mm-hmm. just because you can't run the ball. Um, I wanted to ask about Xavier. Is it Leggett? Yeah, Leggett. Leggett, yeah. Leggett. Is he one of the most surprising uh, stories early on here? Absolutely, Nick. No doubt. Uh, he, he's a guy that, you know – I think on two or three separate occasions in different preseasons coming into seasons, like I've labeled him my breakout player. Like this is a guy to watch for. He could break out and be wide receiver two or or maybe even wide receiver one. And for whatever reason, it just never happened, right? He never lived with the potential. And, you know, I was just talking about guys, that light bulb moment. You know, every player, you know, whatever profession it's in, whether you're an athlete, you're in business, you're a podcaster, you're, you know, whatever it is you're doing, we all have that light bulb moment where it just clicks and you get into a groove, get into a rhythm, and you sort of hit your stride. And I think for, you know, for some guys that comes their freshman year, for some guys that comes their senior year, and for some guys it never comes. But for Xavier Leggett, guys, I think last year the kickoff return for a touchdown that he had to open up the Texas A&M game at williams Bryce Stadium, mm-hmm. I think for him that was sort of the light bulb moment where it just kind of all started clicking. And, of course, closed out the season in a big way, had a big performance against Notre Dame, and Justin Stepp, the wide receivers coach, and even Shane Beamer had talked about they had never seen a wide receiver have as good uh, a summer and, and off season as this guy had. But, of course, right, that was offseason chatter. So to see him put it all together, though, and uh, he's already surpassed his career total in receiving yards through five games. He did that a couple of games ago. So that that just goes to show you how good of a season he's having. And, um, you know, they, they've got to find something else, right, because Juice Wells obviously out with an injury. I I, I think we'll get more information on Juice tomorrow from Shane Beamer. But, guys, I, I'd be surprised if he goes in the game. I really would. It's a serious foot injury that he's mm-hmm. trying to come back from. And so I just I, – I'm, I'm not uh, – holding my breath or anything, expecting Juice to play on Saturday. Uh, but no, Xavier Leggett has been a massive surprise, guys. We all felt like he had the potential. We all felt like it was in there, like he was capable of this. But even the most optimistic of us, I thought he could be a five or 600-yard guy and Juice Wells would be the the leading, you know, 1,000-yard receiver or what have you. So to see what Xavier Leggett is doing through five weeks has been absolutely incredible. And now the biggest priority for the offense, you know you have 17. You got to find somebody else to help out he and Spencer Rattler. Looking through here, uh, Spencer Rattler, 119 for 163, 73% completion percentage, uh, 8.7. But probably the biggest thing that sticks out to me is 22 sacks uh, on the season coupled with rushing. Uh, It seems like when he's able to – uh, to, to throw and has time to throw that, that he's been pretty efficient. And obviously a lot of those yards have gone uh, to Xavier Leggett. Have a lot of those passes been in the pocket? Have they been on the move? I know Spencer Rattler is, I guess, technically a dual threat, but, but what are the, what's, what's most of the passing from Spencer been looking like? Yeah, Dan, I, I would say this. I'm to a point where anytime I see Spencer Rattler set his feet, I expect really good things to happen. Like there have been few times this year where I've seen a Spencer Rattler set his feet and deliver a throw and it not be accurate, right? And we're talking about a guy that, 
you know, I know it's firm and it's FCS competition, but he went 25 of 27. There's some quarterbacks out there that can't do that against air. And then mm-hmm. you look at Mississippi State, he went 18 of 20. And again, not the greatest defense in the world, but still, that's an SEC defense he's carving up there. So the most impressive thing about Spencer Rattler, guys, and you look back at the Tennessee game, by the way, let's acknowledge that. I think, you know, Nick pointed this out. I think one of the biggest reasons for those numbers, if you will, is South Carolina fell behind early. They lost any semblance of balance. Tennessee pinned their ears back and sent the pass rush. He was sacked six times. And so, you know, he's trying to operate under duress on the road in a hostile environment, and things got kind of sideways. But all in all, guys, Spencer Rattler's been fantastic. I mean, it, this is this team is him. This team is seven, and this team will go as far as he takes them, truly. I, I don't see a scenario, guys, where – and I'm not trying to give the keys of the game or anything to Billy Napier and the boys, but it's like I just don't see a scenario where South Carolina wins a football game this year if he does not play – very well I you know I I don't know if they can get away with him playing average like I don't want to say they're a one-man team but they're as close to it as you can get right this team is going to live and die with Spencer Rattler but guys the most impressive thing he's done he's raised his floor right in my opinion it's he's not making those bad decisions those bad mistakes that he made a season ago the decision making has improved and you could argue that it's improved because South Carolina went away from their offensive coordinator last year and they've simplified some things and you know, they've made things much easier to execute. And you can see that. I think Spencer Rattler's playing much more free. He's playing much more loose. He's just going out there and playing ball, just playing pitch and catch with the boys. That's really what it looks like. But, you know, for 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 him, I mean, he's great throwing on the run. Obviously, guys, he's got incredible arm strength mm-hmm. that's going to make him a, a top target in the NFL draft and a guy who's kind of probably going to be taken in the first couple of rounds. But, you know, if you're the Gators, it's just about a disrupting his flow, disrupting his rhythm, getting him outside of the pocket, putting him under duress, because, you know, it goes without saying that any quarterback is going to be better when they've got a clean pocket mm-hmm. to operate with in three to four seconds to throw than when he's got guys breathing down his neck. And a lot of that comes down to can South Carolina win first down and getting some second and fives and third and fours and some manageable situations where it's not so obvious they're going to have to pass the football. So, um, you know, I, I would say, Dan, your, your best – your best chance is obviously getting him outside of the pocket and moving. He's also used his legs very well this year. I think that's something that's been really, really underrated. If you go back and watch South Carolina, he's been able to run the football, get out of the pocket, keep some drives alive. But, uh, you know, I, despite all that, guys, whether teams have gotten pressure or not, even against North Carolina, he was sacked nine times mm-hmm. and went 30 of 39 for 350 yards. Like, wow. yeah. what he, he's played out of this world at times. And I think South Carolina more than likely will need that type of performance yet again uh, against Florida. Silk, you're on mute. Amateur hour over here, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's going on with your defense, man? It seems like you guys are like uh, either not last or close to last in almost every statistic mm-hmm. car- category. What's what's going on on that side of the ball? I like to see that, bro. I yeah. need my offense. I've <laughs> been pedestrian, bro. Yeah. So I, the numbers make my eyes and, and my heart perk up a little bit. Silk's over there cheering on your defense. <laughs> yeah, yes. Silk, you uh, think more. <laughs> no, listen, again, you guys are asking a lot of questions that Gamecock fans are also scratching their heads wondering, and they're perplexed as well. And I, I just – guys, when I look at the defense, and admittedly I was nervous about the defense coming into – Coming into this season, and I see our guy Taylor chiming in. I know he's confused as well. But, uh, you know, I, I was concerned about the defense coming in. Like, I had South Carolina guys over the summer at 7-5. and five, But even if you go look back at the scores, I thought it was going to be a lot of high-scoring games because, you know, you look at what the Gamecocks lost, guys. And 
you know, you look at the production numbers, if you will, we can argue that. But South Carolina lost a former five-star player in Jordan Birch off the edge. He transfers to Oregon. They lost Gilbert Edmond off the edge, who was a starter for them. He transferred to Florida State. He lost Zach Pickens in the middle. He's now playing with the Chicago Bears, by the, by the, by the way, right now. Big body mm. in the interior defensive line. You lost two of your top – you lost six of your top eight in regards to snap count, right, mm. in, in your front seven. Uh, and then you lost two of your starting corners, Debrius Rush and Cam Smith, who are both both NFL guys. And then you look at who they picked up in the portal, guys. And again, a lot of Gamecock fans didn't understand why national pundits were were low on South Carolina, or you know, we just beat Tennessee and Clemson. Why aren't they hired? The Gamecocks were gutted in the transfer portal, and I just don't know that they really picked up the impact pieces to fill the voids that they lost. Now at the cornerback position, <clears throat> Mar- excuse me, guys, Marcellus Dial and. Uh, O'Donnell Fortune ha- have been okay. They've been serviceable. I don't know that they've really filled the shoes, those departed guys. You do have Nick even and DQ Smith in the back end, but those guys have even been exposed in some one-on-one matchups. You saw Mississippi State do that, and even Tennessee as well. And then up front, guys, South Carolina, it's just a tale as old as time. They can't stop the run. Um, you know, had some glimmers of hope in that Georgia game. T.J. Sanders flashing at the defensive tackle spot. Obviously, you have Tonka Hemingway back and, and Boogie Huntley. But, guys – they, they don't do much of anything well, and, and I hate to say that, and, and I think what's what's maddening is <clears throat> there's too much talent on that side of the football to see South Carolina struggle the way they are defensively. I mean, I don't think anybody came into this season thinking South Carolina was going to be top three or four in the SEC in defense, but it'd be 13th mm-hmm. or 14th in most major categories. It certainly turned up the heat on third-year defensive coordinator Clayton White because it's the third year, guys, and you guys know how this feels. When you're in the second or third year of a coaching staff and you're making year one mistakes, mm. that's when you start to lose people. Like that, That's when people really start to become irked, and I think that's what you're seeing them do. It's year three, and they still can't stop the run. It's year three, and they can't get off the field on third down. It's year three, and they're still giving up the explosive plays. And now the secondary is leaky, and normally they've had that to lean on, and that's not really the case, guys. So, you know, I, I think most in Garnet and Black think the upside of this defense is much higher than it is, but we just simply have not seen it play out yet. And give credit, by the way, to the schedule. You've played some real mm-hmm. high-powered offenses, and the Gamecocks have suffered because of it. But I think this will be the real test against Florida. It's like, you know, it's 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 going to go one way or the other, right? Either you've had two weeks to prepare. If you can't slow down or stop this Florida offense, and I know has had some struggles, had some troubles, uh, Clayton White's seat is going to go from warm to scorching hot uh, in a matter of one Saturday. Yeah, just looking at Pro Football Focus here, all of your DBs rank pretty low. Uh, Jalen Kilgore is your highest-ranked yeah. guy. Uh, Florida's Florida's offense is a lot of short and intermediate passes, a lot of yeah. passes behind the line of scrimmage. Um, <laughs> what has been South Carolina's kind of Achilles heel on the defensive backs? Has it been in – giving up the big play deep? Has it been in just not as much talent as the teams that you guys are facing? I mean, you guys are turning the ball over quite a bit. I think you have six interceptions on the season, mm-hmm. three fumble recoveries. But but what's been why coverage mm-hmm. has been so low for uh, for South Carolina in terms of pro football focus scoring and obviously giving up a lot of points? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dan, and to your point, Jalon Kilgore is a true freshman. So you could argue the defensive bat that has played the best thus far this year is a true freshman for South Carolina, if that tells you anything. But, you know, guys, I I think you have to start up front. I I think the Gamecocks have not had a consistent pass rush. And, again, I mean, the quarterbacks they've played, Drake May, Carson Beck, Mm -hmm. Will Rogers, I mean, even Joe Milton, he wasn't great against South Carolina. But these are dudes that if you give them time to throw, they're going to pick you apart. And and that's typically what has happened. 
Um, you know, I, I think it's been more guys in the secondary. I think it's been the explosives over the top. You saw that against Mississippi State. I mean, again, Will Rogers to Lou Griffin. It was an absolute field day. Uh, Joe Milton hit some big ones down the stretch as well. But that's been, guys, why there's been so many gripes. Is you, you feel like South Carolina, especially against Tennessee, it's a lot of off coverage, playing really soft, and just kind of giving up that underneath, almost playing this this bend but don't break defense. And unfortunately, you you are breaking in years past, mm-hmm. or maybe you're you're getting the big turnover, or uh, you know you're getting the big play. I mean, guys, you look back at South Carolina over the last couple of years, and I mean, it's been a rarity they've held teams to under thirty points. Like I, I think the Gamecocks struggling somewhat defensively. It's not really anything new, but the first two years of Shane Beamer, they've been able to mask it with turnovers, right? Mm-hmm. And, and opportunistic defense. And, you know, nobody's saying that, you know, you don't want to say it's smoke and mirrors because you get coached up on this stuff and right place, right time. You know, you, you, you make the big play, if you will, but it, it has masked a lot of issues, I think. So I think it starts up front, guys. You just have not been able to get a consistent pass rush. I, I think this, the edge position, especially for South Carolina, is an, it's an eyesore. I, I think this is an SEC defensive line that is near the bottom of the SEC, if you want my honest opinion. And then the secondary, like I mentioned, is, you know, you've been breaking in some new guys. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's more talent than what those numbers reflect in the secondary. I think also when you give up 487 passing yards in one game, like you did against Mississippi State, it can skew the numbers just a little bit. Um, but, you know, if I'm the Gators, I'm, I'm attacking the secondary in all kinds of ways, and I'm definitely taking some vertical shots with guys like Ricky Pearsall and the other mm-hmm. weapons that Florida has. So, um, again, this is a put-up-or-shut-up week for South Carolina defensively, guys, because with all due respect to Florida, it's not like you're facing the number one offense in the SEC. And if you let the Gators gash you, I, I, again, there's going to be a lot of chatter in Columbia. But for the secondary, take away the big play, keep everything underneath. If you can do that, I think you give yourself a chance. Sure. Yeah, no, I think that this is a, a game where I think you can throw a lot of the stats out the window just because Florida is, I think, one and seven under Billy Napier uh, in away games that that team has really struggled away uh, intensity. They've gotten blown out a number of times, even if the score didn't look like it. So obviously it is a, a different game, whether it's home or, you know, away for, for Florida. I think that Gator fans are very confident in home games, you know, against most opponents and, and very skeptical, as you can see in the comments, uh, about any away game until that can be proven otherwise. Uh, so, Chris, before we get you out of here, uh, let's get your prediction. Uh, right now we have South Carolina as two-point uh, favorites in this game. The over-under is 53-and-a-half. So what do you have uh, for a prediction for this game? Yeah, Dan, you put me on the spot because normally I don't lock these in later in the week. I mean, I, I will say that I'm I'm leaning South Carolina, and right now, just top ahead score, I'd probably go 27 to 24 Gamecocks. I, I do think this is a coin flip game. I think it could go mm-hmm. either way. I guys, I, I identified this back in July as the the most important game of the 2023 season for South Carolina, and I got some pushback on that. But the way I looked at it. I expected a two and three start. I thought the Gamecocks would be two and three going into bye week, and this Florida game really served as you know the game that if you want any chance at reaching any of your preseason expectations or goals or aka getting to seven or eight wins like this is the game South Carolina has to have at home and I also guys look at SEC East hierarchy and SEC hierarchy and of course you know I think it was maybe overblown a little bit how much of a mess Florida was during the summer I feel like the Gators were kind of the the fun team to pick on for whatever reason but for you clicks, know, man. Yeah. We, get, we, get, we get the numbers booming, bro. <laughs> Graham Mertz ranked 14th in a couple of the uh, SEC quarterback rankings. I know coming into the season, Gators ranked at the bottom of the SEC power rankings. It was all over the place. But, you know, this is still a game where 
I look at South Carolina. It's similar to where the Gamecocks went to Neyland. It was the revenge factor for Tennessee. They got embarrassed by South Carolina. Like, this is sort of a, re- a revenge spot for the Gamecocks as well. 38-6 to last year in the Swamp. Zero offensive points. You have to think this is a team that's going to be licking their chops to prove that that game was a fluke. And when you look at the SEC East hierarchy, guys, this is as gettable, in my opinion, as Florida is going to get. Now, I know Gator fans have mixed opinions on Billy Napier, but you look at the way they're recruiting. I think Florida's going to be back sooner rather than later if Gator fans can give Billy Napier time and Florida can survive the most daunting schedule probably in college ball history mm. next season. With that being said, if you're South Carolina again, this is just a game you have to have for the prospects of this season, for the growth, I think, of your program under Shane Beamer and continuing that upward trajectory. So I think South Carolina guys at home, I will be picking them more than likely to get the job done. I I just think home field, guys, it makes so much of a difference, especially this year in the SEC. But I think this is a game that comes right down to the wire. And really, you could tell me any result, and it would not surprise me at the end of the day. So I'll go Gamecocks 27 to 24 right now with the prediction subject to change, but I do think home field is a big factor in this one. Yeah. We've got two comments here. Our, our mutual friend Taylor, I think the stats about the Gamecocks coming off a of bye week with Shane and being at home is the only thing giving him somewhat confidence as a Gamecock. Uh, and then our friend Chris Sorley here said the good news for your Gamecocks is that Florida doesn't show up on the road. So South Carolina will look like Georgia against them. <laughs> LOL. See you at the game. Well, um, Chris, it's always great to have you on, my friend. Uh, you do a great show and everything else. So let everybody know where they can follow. Listen in on South Carolina. Uh, so plug uh, everywhere people can find you. We appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah, Dan, Silk, Nick, I appreciate you guys having me on. And by the way, to Taylor's stat, Gamecocks 14-2 and coming off the bye week since 2009, 2-0 and under Shane Beamer. And, of course, one of those wins – was against Florida back in 2021. So we'll see if history repeats itself. But uh, no, yeah, guys, I appreciate you having me on at the Spurs Up Show on X, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, wherever you get content, we are there. Of course, we host a daily live show called The Daily Crow, which airs exclusively on YouTube noon to two. We take questions, comments, calls every Friday in our Friday mailbag segment all week, of course. We have special guests on. We actually have two Gators on during the week. We have Chris Doring on Mondays, which is a blast of SEC Network. And then Thursdays, we have my good friend Mark Ryan of the Fan Upstate, which is a radio show, and he is a Florida grad. So there's some Florida favor. I don't know. There's a weird connection with Florida and South Carolina, man, from the Spurrier days and Muschamp, unfortunately, and some other things as well. But, uh, no, yeah, we do that daily live show. Podcast drops every single day. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And, uh We've also got merchandise as well over at TSUS.store. So we're kind of all over the place wherever you can find the Spurs Up show. You can find us there. But always a pleasure, guys. I appreciate you. And looking forward to a great game on Saturday. Hey, Chris, um, you guys like our old coaches. So if if Beamer don't work out, (laughs) Mullen is available. I was just hoping we didn't hire uh, Jim McElwain. I would have quit. Mm, I'd have hung it up. I I would have hung it up. I would have hung it up. (laughs) I almost hung it up. (laughs) <laughs> there was a lot of lying that we were doing at that time about a lot about happened. loafers and all man it was yeah. egregious man it's crazy no socks <sighs> shameful oh, the shark photo who could ever forget who could ever i was forget. hoping it was him <laughs> awesome well chris Hi, we appreciate chris. your time my friend we'll uh, talk to you soon yes sir we'll talk soon appreciate you guys y'all have a good one see ya all right nick's having a bad face day so he's nick is having a bad, having a bad face internet day, day. Yeah, bad internet day. You see, you got um, that Obama internet, bro. Let's Tough. see. Uh, 14-2 coming off the bye? 
2009. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. care what they record is. There's no excuse for us to lose this game. Like point blank period. If you look at their like their their defense, where they rank, their the production they put out on the field, they can't block nobody. They can't rush the passer. Um, they're giving up a lot of sacks. They can't stop the run. They're at the bottom of the SEC in every category. There is no excuse for Billy Napier to go on the road and lose this game. No. I, I don't even care about the talented. youth. Uh, Spencer Rattler's obviously good. Xavier Leggett is obviously talented. Uh, you got to figure out a way to, to limit the big play there. Uh, but everything that I was reading, advanced stats-wise and everything else about South Carolina, is just not a great football team. Um, again, the biggest issue that we have is showing up in mm-hmm. away games and being able to match that energy and enthusiasm, make sure that the offensive line is on the you know same page, limit those stupid procedural penalties that we seem to get 3X on the road with, uh, limit those, limit the big play. And I think that Florida should be the more talented team. They should be able to force – Hopefully some turnover. South Carolina has been turnover prone this season, but you have to also avoid giving the ball back to South Carolina. I don't think that South Carolina is a great football team. Florida's not a great football team on the road. So uh, this is definitely a toss up, but Florida for all intents and purposes should win this game. I think from a talent perspective, but until they do it, I'm, I'm worried. Yeah. I think South Carolina right now is favored by two. Um, mm-hmm. We're on the road, but they can't run the ball. They're, they're one-dimensional as hell, so the pass rush, those guys should be pinning mm-hmm. their ears back to be to get productive and, and get Spencer Rattler to affect them in every way we can like we did last year at home. It's a different game on the road, but you can't – that team the team doesn't have an explosive running back. They got Leggett, and I respect Leggett because he's a, he's a gangster out there on the outside of receiver, so we got to come and do what we got to do as far as locking him up, but – there's not a lot of playmakers on this offense. And the things they want to do is the things we want to do. Like defense, they want to bend but not break and give us 15 yards in. Like, we want to take that. Mm-hmm. We've been efficient with taking that. When you look at how it's set up, this is like style of boxers type situation. The, the style of this fits for us to win outside of us going on the road. You know, other right. than that, when you look at the bones of this game, we shouldn't have many excuses why we lose this game. Right. I mean, yeah, there's, there's that huge caveat, right? Everything that we say is we are going on the road. Correct. Chance to chance to clean like to, to make it right. You know, we we, right. we beat mm-hmm. we beat Vandy. We lost to Vandy last year. We beat Tennessee. We lost to Tennessee last year. So we correcting some wrongs for last year. We got to get wins on the road, and you got to show steps of maturity and and developing with that whole process, whatever it may be. The team coming out flat like it did with Kentucky. No excuses for it. Energy-wise, this team need to be ready to play, get off the bus and smack somebody in the mouth on the road to prove fans wrong, man, or to prove anybody, doubters, whatever it may be. You got to come out on the road with a different edge. You know, they feeding off the energy of a home field and the crowd, but they got to find somebody on the, on the roster got to, you know, become a leader and lead this team while they're on the road, you know, find a spark. But there's no reason, zero excuses. I don't care what anybody says in the press or you look at this team on paper, we shouldn't lose. Yeah, should be a game. <clears throat> sorry, should be a game where you can get sacks. Hopefully, force a turnover. Maybe a pass rush forces uh, a turnover. I think this game will sway my opinion one way or the other about Florida the rest of the way. You still have to go play neutral site, but away from home against Georgia at LSU at Mizzou, who apparently is good. Um, yeah, if, I, if decent if Florida, with it. if Florida can go play competent, 
get a win this week, then I think, okay, you might be able to go in and play with LSU. I think they forgot how to play defense. If they look the way they have the first two games, then I don't know if I have any confidence in winning a road game. Yeah, no, just looking back at the schedule uh, from 2021, uh, Gators lost at Missouri away. Um, they lost they beat Texas South A&M. Carolina away. They lost to LSU away. Um, they lost to Kentucky away. So you add in the last year of Dan Mullen, you add in Billy Napier's one and seven record. Uh, if Florida has not won on the road in a very long time, most of these guys on the team have never really experienced a win on the road. So you have to build that now. You have talent. You've been able to move the ball at home. It's a matter of figuring out how can we figure out a way to be energized, excited, pound the football, not be afraid of the crowd, and be able to communicate effectively because South Carolina is loud. They It is going to be a 3.30 kickoff. Uh, maybe that is the time slot where the Gators can, can figure out a way to not be too tired or, or whatever it might be. But, but right now until Florida can prove that they can win on the road, it's, it's tough for me to pick them uh, just because it's a completely different team away than it is at home. Back to Rony Tony. That's it. So um, nearing the end of our show here, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at home field apparel, home field. You mute it, Dan. You muted. We don't hear you, Dan. Muted yourself. Shout out to Home Man. Field Apparel. Get your drip. Shout out to Home Field Big Apparel. Drip. My bad, guys. Um, homefieldapparel.com, promo code Stadium Gale at checkout, 15% off of your order. Uh, University of Florida stuff, also about 80 or 90 different universities, as well as some NFL apparel. Go check them out. Uh, let's get uh, some predictions for you guys. We've been doing this kind of X-Factor thing. Uh, who's your X-Factor on offense and who's your X-Factor? Uh, we'll just start with offense first. Silk, you go ahead. Hmm. I mean, it's going to continue to be Trey Wilson. He makes the, the offense just go. Uh, he, he that that motion jet sweep action loosens up the middle of the field. I think Montreal having a better running game had a lot to do with him being back as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm gonna go uh, Trey Wilson, man. Baby Percy, I love it, Nick. Uh, just in an effort to pick somebody else, um, I'll say Etienne. If he comes back, if he's healthy and he can run uh, with Eugene with Trey in the lineup, I think then. Now you're clicking. Now you have everyone going. Uh, so I'll go with ETN. But I think it's a safe a safe bet to go Trey every week for a next factor. Yeah. And then I'm going to go Ricky Pearson. It wasn't featured a ton against Vanderbilt. Obviously, still your number one uh, threat there. Uh, but uh, I like him to, to go in, in no, South Carolina. I left all this up there for you guys. Nobody just yeah, no, I was going to pick seemed too easy. Uh, I, I think that right now – the South Carolina defensive backs aren't great. I think that Florida is going to be able to beat them. Uh, you just have to give them an opportunity to get beat. Their safeties are not good. Uh, so even those crossing routes that they run across the middle a lot uh, should be open, should for a lot uh, allow for a lot of yards after catch. Uh, so I'm going to go Ricky Pearsall. I do think Arliss Boardingham uh, would have been a good pick there. But but I got to see it out of more than one game for me to, to, to put uh, my reputation on the line. Who's on defense, Nick? Princely. Man, talking about, gotta be. Talking about an offensive line that, that can't protect. 
need need a couple sacks from number one. Harrison yeah. Sanchez and you, Nick, are on the exact same page. So, who's who is his backup? Uh, Shelby, Kelby, uh, Kelby, Kelby. I keep calling him Shelby. Kelby Collins. <laughs> give me, give me one of the young boys. I, mean, I think one, one, either him or Searcy. I go one A one B with it, but give me Shelby Collins. Uh, with, with Kelby. getting this Kelby. God damn it! <laughs> I don't know who Shelby Collins is, but it's just you know I want a Shelby, you know Mustang. <laughs> but <laughs> anywho, give me Kelby Collins. Give me, give me you know one of those guys coming off the bench to to provide some sacks for us and affect the game. We in the mid season. I expect these young boys to play a little bit more and more every week. Um, so I go with Kelby Collins just out of the. Clear blue sky. I think he gets more snaps, and I think he he gives him a sack this week. All right, and then I'm gonna go with. It's between the two. I'm gonna go with Jordan Castell. I think he gets an interception this game. Uh, hopefully, Princely, your guy Nick can can wreak some havoc uh, and force them to throw. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Jordan Castell out of the safeties there uh, to hopefully be able to get an interception or two in this game um but uh but yeah i mean florida should i mean on paper they 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 match up very well against south carolina you just have that that road asterisk uh in this game so with that let's get to our prediction for the show uh silk we'll start with you give us a score prediction The defense is terrible out there, man. I think we, we we click a little bit. We find ourselves on the road. This is me being an optimistic fan that I am, man. So I'm going to go 31-17 Gators, bro. We go out there and take care of business. Take that spread and throw it in the east. Atlantic right, Nick, Ocean. Leave it in five points. Nick? I'm looking. I'm going to go Gators and 31-28. Close game. 31 to 28. Trey Smack goes eight for eight on field goals this season. Uh, I'm going to go Gators win this game 26 to 16. It's an odd score, but like some wild score. I don't know why I picked that, but you know, you just got to be a little different every once in a while. So, um, yeah, so I think that takes us to the end of the show today. Uh, go visit our friends over at Alumni Hall as well if you are on Archer Road in Gainesville or online at alumnihall.com. The best of Florida Gators apparel, golf polos, accessories, grilling accessories, tailgate things. Um, the holidays are approaching. Uh, Alumni Hall is a great place to get things for the Florida Gator fan in your life. So with that, end our show today. Silk, you have song of the week. What do you got today? Yeah, was was not prepared. I hate when I'm not prepared, but I like the new Nas album, so I'm gonna go with something off of that. Can't stop playing that joint. I want to get something that's not cursing too much, man. Scared his listeners away. I know Ahmad plays some <laughs> some some wild some wildness in the past. Uh, let me get Never Die. Lil Wayne went crazy on that verse, so Nas. Never die off the new album Magic Three featuring Lil Wayne. Super bars. I mean, 20, 20 years Wayne's still putting out bars. I love it. Um man, Nas is over 50 years old, fam. Yeah, Nas too. I'm a big Nas fan. I'd be approaching 60 or something, just going crazy. 
Absolutely not. So we we'll appreciate you guys. Uh, Gators play 330 in South Carolina. So uh, fingers crossed, team comes out to play. But as always, we appreciate everybody joining the show today. And we will see you at the same corner, same time next week. We ain't gonna never die, no. we ain't gonna never die. I'm an icon in real time. Why do I wait this long to let the in my ill mind? We ain't gonna never die, we ain't gonna never die, no. Yeah, we ain't gonna. We ain't gon' never die, icons in real time Why did I wait this long to let y'all in my ill mind? I think the hate was strong so I went to a chill vibe Could never say goodbye, I let my skill cry Let my soul bleed, inside a rose wearing rosaries Homie, I love the new and why, cause I'm the new and why And the old and why, at the same time I always hit the last shot when it's game time The Jordan Kobe Braun talk, take a long walk You might start to understand what I'm putting on for I left more flows and pro two sessions Than you ever thought of with old school Methods. But what you hearing is the present day Over breaks and samples of New York and WA The brand new, brand newbians in A.S. and Wayne Don't threaten me with a good time, we here to stay Nasty, they don't make them like me Mask up, all black, like a poo shiesty Swoop through, I'm like Detroit Red in the zoo suit Loose screws, any great challenges I find a loop through, loopholes Why they treat me so bad, Club Nouveau Damn, the times we living in is crucial This my time cruise flow, Top Gun, they too slow Computers ain't fast enough to keep up with nasty because we ain't gonna never die. <laughs> we ain't gonna never die. We ain't gonna. We ain't gonna never die. We ain't gonna never die. Icons of real time. Icons of real time. We ain't gonna never die. Uh, icons stepping on pythons, spitting that cayenne. Eat you like Zion. Peeking at the skyline, reaching for the stars like I'm reaching for the pylon. I seen you on the sideline. You need to walk a fine line. You need to read the guidelines instead of reading the timelines. Where everybody like line, nobody flow like mine. I'm sending these niggas, got me coaching niggas like Brown. Tongue, I never bite mine, got dough like Taekwondo. To spend all this money, I'ma have to spend a lifetime. You broke can't even buy time. Should throw niggas a lifeline. No money on my mind, and I be on your white mind. I hit her with the pipe bomb, then pass it down the pipeline. But actually, we quite fine. Diamonds on me sparkling and splashing like some white wine. They love me in the nighttime, they hate me when the light shine Shots I got a hundred, and problems I got nine nine Boo got it by Ryan, take off with no flight time Babbage on the passenger side, she don't even like flying Booty soft as nightline, you niggas small as my crime I got a black Nina that get nasty as a white blind Low credit, high crime, open mind, tight rhymes When they hit my lines, these rappers gotta catch up like Hans Wheezy in my slime knives, ain't nobody like eyes Like bygones, gotta let icons be icons 